leaders that are visionaries, they're listeners, they're discerners of trends, they challenge the status quo, and they are mavericks, revolutionaries, and breaths of fresh air. And uh, we have Mike back uh, in the studio with us from Retroviral. Um, and Mike, you and I just finished talking about um, you know, the change we're seeing in brands because of obviously the internet over the years. Um, if you missed that part, check out uh, part one of my interview with Mike. Um, but really having a look at um, how brands are now, you know, behaving very differently. Um, you know, the ability to overcome fear, take chances, not be afraid of, of, of making mistakes. Um, and all of that really, um, you know, I think has been driven by the introduction of the internet. You know, you've had to for various reasons. So, Mark, I just want to chat to you a little bit about what are the biggest changes you're seeing in terms of the behavior of brands over the past few years? And I suppose directly linked to that is um, the behavior of uh, leaders within the, the brand. So, obviously, you know, the CEO, the C-suite, the CMO, the C-suite, you know, these individuals are driving a lot of the brand behavior. Um, and by default, over the few last few years, brands are changing, you know, based on what we spoke about. Where are these changes? What do you think is driving them? Um, and what are the biggest um, moves you're seeing, I'd say, probably over the last two to five years? You know, what's interesting is that the average S&P 500 company 20 years ago was um, a 50, 60-year-old business. So they, these are like old, established, old white men, really. And mm -hmm. if we turn our attention to the more recent past, the average, the average S&P 500 company now is an 18-year and younger company. Like so many businesses have fallen, whether it be COVID, whether it be bubbles, whether it be um, great financial recessions, so it's really fascinating. If you look at a brand as a human being, as a personality, like we've gone from this very old, like uh, patriarchal staid kind of approach to things. And now you've gone more to this agile and nimble approach to thinking like brands are teenagers. They, they're impulsive. They are you know, take risks. And I think that for me as a, as a communicator, I've always naturally gravitated towards challenger brands. Like we like to say that we're the challenger brand for challenger brands. And for me, with that comes a, a degree of, of, of scary stuff. And being able to tap into a brand or a startup or an established business, whether it be financial services or FMCG, whatever it may be, like there comes with it the need to understand what personality are you as a brand. So I always like to do the exercise with those communicators or those CMOs or CEOs even. Like if you were a celebrity, who would you be? Who is the one person that you would model yourself around? And what's great about that as an exercise, it creates debate around the boardroom table it also then allows everyone to align to say, listen, we are Childish Gambino or we are Donald Glover or uh, we are Kim Kardashian. And I think that gives you real extremes in terms of understanding the persona, the cheekiness, the personality, the seriousness. And obviously that, that comes with multiple layers depending on your industry. Like financial services is being disrupted, but you still need this air of stability when you're putting your money into an institution. And I think that's a, a really important starting point for me. And then off the back of that, there needs to be almost like this implicit trust between the supplier and the actual C-suite member who's controlling communications. Because the reality is 
you aren't necessarily the customer. So it still requires a, a real healthy dose of strategic insight. It, uh, it requires the time to really experiment, ask the questions, understand who your customer is. And that also comes from playing with that tone of voice in the social space. Like if you're putting out messages, yo, 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 homies, and you're a, an old school bank, it, it, it might fall on deaf ears or people might think that your account was hacked. And I think there's a whole bunch of learning. And we see that so many of these life cycles generally take two or three years between brand and agency and communication supplier to really find the sweet spot of how does that brand sound online? How does it communicate? What are its uh, stresses, fears, successes, failures? And I think the more you can personify and archetype your brand around real trays, the greater the opportunity of you really being able to emotionally connect with your audience. And that for us is always the starting point. If you get that right, if you move through that barrier, then you it becomes very easy to know where you can kind of turn your attention to. We're a spoof of this thing. We're a reality of that thing. We're a topical uh, communicator or um, observational communicator. Uh, a comedian around X, Y, and Z. And I think it sounds incredibly basic, but so many brands forget to do that step. And then yeah. they try to insert themselves into social commentary and situations, but then they just end up feeling like the person who wasn't invited to the party. Yeah, and that's yeah. They snuck in without the invitation, right? They're the wedding crasher. They're the wedding crasher. And tell me now, obviously you're familiar with internal um, structures. So you might have the younger challenges. I mean, I just was dealing with a company uh, yesterday called Crisp. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of them. They look at, um, you know, monitoring negative activity online. The, the guy who founded that founded it when he was 14 years old. Um, you know, and it's a phenomenal, you know, huge business. Now I was looking at a, a bath bomb in, in, in a huge retailer in the States yesterday, and it's founded by two sisters, 17 and 18 year olds, and they have got national distribution, you know. So you are looking at a generation that's coming up and I'm not saying CEOs are going to be 14. These are real, you know, um, you know, ad hoc uh, scenarios. But the reality is you've got a very different generation coming into the workforce, a generation that understands the internet, a generation that is not ex afraid to be exposed. So things like failure is not a thing for, you know, the younger generation. You know, if I'm going to look like a fool, that's fine. How do you find, uh, or what do you do to take a corporate on that journey? Because, you know, I've been in a big corporate, you know, you describe it as the, you know, the older white men, it's a very, you know, male dominated environment, it's very professional, you know, how do you take that group of people along this journey? Because obviously, there's trust needs to be built. So if it's a CMO, the CMO needs to build the trust to show, um, you know, this is going to work. But a lot of the big brands are nervous to fall into the space or to go into the space. Obviously, once or twice, you've done a campaign that works, and they go, okay, this works. But where do you see the change management happening with regards to the old guard to move into this world of internet? Because right now we're in a 2D internet world and fast and furiously the 3D internet's coming with the metaverse. So this exposure is going to become even more highlighted. And so the pace of change here is so fast. I mean, it's what, I don't know, the last 10 years. And then the next hockey stick to the 3D internet with the metaverse is going to be even faster now you've got to manage leadership styles within a company to say, try these new things, be the challenger, be the maverick. What are you seeing in terms of what works with trying to get that shift within companies and, and people? 
I think data is the obviously the the word of the day still. And I think if you go into a large organization, they want to see a combination of data. They want to see ideas uh, validated via spreadsheets. And for them, creativity isn't always the holy grail. So I think the challenge is always getting in the door with the smarts and then being able to convert with the sexiness of creativity. And if you can demonstrate the smarts and showcase the archetypes, showcase the strategic intent, talk about the fact that your audience does X, Y, and Z and participates in, in ABC, they can't dispute facts and they can't dispute the fact that you've done the research. Like it's, it's always been that go-to, especially when it comes to things like sports sponsorship. The CEO of a large corporation, he loves golf. So he's going to sponsor one of the latest PGA Tour events, or he's going to support the pay media advertising on the broadcast rights of the masters and and that's always been the, the the de facto way to go about buying into sponsorships you buy into the stuff that you like not necessarily the stuff around what resonates with your audience so i think if you can really go in and showcase the base that you've gone in from all four corners of that universe of your desired customer and why this is a great space to play and then it becomes a lot easier sell once you've delivered on the key insights and the premise to build the layers of creativity on top of and then obviously the the creativity is the thing that makes people uncomfortable is it going to work is it going to bomb are we going to spend you know tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, rands, euros, GBP on this thing and are we going to get the returns that we're looking for so I think where we are uh, fortunate, we couple smarts with all kinds of strategies that we lay out there. So we try and set KPIs up front, how many eyeballs, what kind of impressions, what kind of click-throughs. And we always try and develop some form of thinking where how are we supporting your business objectives? Because we talk like business people and we execute like communications people. Mm -hmm. That's a, a real thing because, you know, even now with the stats that are coming out of uh, my creepy teacher, out of Checker 6060, there's an actual impact at a usage level. Like there's an actual impact at a sales level. Mm -hmm. And you can't always preface your ideas with those kinds of thoughts, but we do everything in our in our power to drive the science around the sale and not just around the creativity. And I think that's the one thing that really differentiates us. And time and time again, like our tagline is that, you know, we've made more brands go viral globally than any other agency in Africa, but we always interrogate the data. What did the reach do? Mm. What did the awareness do? But most importantly, was there an uptick in sales or action and that's what uh, the c-suite the ties and all those board members ultimately want to see on the spreadsheets of the management accounts yeah so when you see the videos like the the marketing that comes out it feels very creative and emotional but actually it didn't start there so it's always still speaking the business language does it relate to the bottom line and then how do we creatively do it and i think the audience often thinks well it started with the creative you know but actually it is you know as, as, as much as the tactics have changed. Actually, the business principles haven't, right? That still stands the test of time. So, Mike, just to wrap up this uh, section, I also just wanted to ask you briefly, what are the changes you're seeing in your business? Because, I mean, you started Retrovour, I think, in 2011, thereabouts, somewhere. Um, and so it's like 12. It's almost a teenager now. And, yeah, and I'm a teenager. old white guy in the business. <laughs> Um, but with a very diverse team around you. Um, but what are, what are the changes you've seen, you know, in, in your business since you've started with regards to, to marketing and digital? 
Well, the trains are always so fast that they, they really move at the speed of uh, broadband. And um, if you look at, like you say, the diverse mix of, of staff members, um, it's a predominantly like mid-20s kind of workforce, different backgrounds, shapes, sizes, colors, uh, creeds, et cetera. And what it's, what it's great from that perspective is that we always get to bounce ideas off each other. Like we use uh, tools such as WhatsApp and we use uh, our G Suite to really communicate in real time. Like, what do you guys think about this idea? And then it also allows us to cut the ego and emotion out of ideas because there are times when my ideas might be too niche or there might be times when the creative director's um, uh, opinion is, is formulated on her own subconscious bias. But if you can put an idea, and this is what I always say to brands is that, you know, when we look at The Daily Show, Trevor Noah has 27 writers that work on The Daily Show. It's not Trevor just paging through a few online um, newspapers and saying, ah, this is a funny story. I'll tell America about this. What in actual fact is by opening up the conversation to a group of people, you have the ability to sense check, is this idea really funny or is it something that's going to crash and burn? Or if I put this idea out there into the universe, those around me can help me craft based on the nuance of their specific cultures. And that goes back to, I mean, I use that comedy analogy with internal comms i use it with external like customer facing comms um the likes of chris rock jerry seinfeld trevor noah they, they meet up and they test material with each other at coffee shops because you know they don't just get to go to a dive bar and go on an and open be funny yeah comedy and i think that's the reality with with corporate if you talk a lot more internally if you facilitate those conversations are we building more and more platforms to enable people to communicate between teams units business organizations, et cetera. And even in our small business, you know, we bounce ideas and everyone has free reign to shoot other people down. You know, like you obviously have to have positive brainstorm space, but if your idea is rubbish, then your your team members have the freedom or they should have the freedom to be able to shoot it down, even if you're the boss. Yeah, yeah. So as much as we're seeing so much change, it's still grounded in some very solid principles of, you know, research, data, analytics, preparation, um, while the, the outer packaging might be changing, the, the principles of, of managing success and through leadership is still very, very grounded in, in those age-old principles. And for those of you that don't know, Mike's talking about some comedians. Mike actually used to be a comedian. He started, he started out as a comedian, but that's a story for another day. So you've just heard some great insights from Mike on the key changes brands and the, the leaders within brands are being faced with today and how they're dealing with them. So more agility, more vulnerability, uh, more willingness to fail, to experiment, but still grounded in some very, very age old principles and traditions uh, that stand the test of time in terms of managing success through change. So look out for part three, where we're going to hear from Mike on some tips uh, that he has for leaders and companies on how to successfully navigate their way and own and drive change. Whoa, whoa, walk through life and move ahead to your destination. Shine so.